What I'm going to cover, I believe, is very important. It's how to be a victorious missionary. I consider myself a missionary. And Tom Kakuza was a missionary. And everyone who's ever gone out and built a ministry, established something, is a missionary. I was told you're either a missionary or a mess. But every one of us, as a child of God, have been left here in this world, and we're on a mission. We have a message. I've been doing some studying in the book of Philippians, and so I thought I would put some of these notes together and share them if I had a chance to do so. The Apostle Paul was a great missionary. He was sent out by the church, and the Bible tells us that uh, he even spent time in jail. And uh, he helped lay the foundation of missions, letting us know what a missionary goes through. You just study the life of Paul and find out, do you really want to serve the Lord? When you see what happened to him as he served the Lord, it's not anything that most people would desire unless you believe that that's what God wanted you to do. And you actually can look beyond this life into the next and realize the value of it. You see, I wrote how to be a victorious missionary. A victorious missionary. How to have victory. Not just in your Christian life, but as a missionary. Someone who goes beyond just the average, you know, believer. They want more. They want to accomplish more. They're willing to sacrifice everything. And so I... Um, wrote a few things down that I thought would be appropriate. So if you um, have uh, your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians, you'll be able to follow along very well with the notes that I have here. See, it's what you know about the one you know. You say, I know the Lord. Yeah, but it's what you know about the Lord. Not that you know Him as your Savior. You have eternal life. You're going to heaven when you die. That's, that's great. But do you really know more about him? You see, your life will be in direct ratio to the caliber of your thoughts. And so what you know about who you know is so important. And so I wanted to share with you what a missionary knows. Majority of all missionaries know this. And so I want it to be an encouragement to them, but I also want it to be an encouragement for you that might be thinking about I want to be a missionary. I want to do more than what I've ever done in my life. And so here we have in Philippians in chapter 3, in verse 10, a statement, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, and that I may know more. Somebody who wants more. So I said, he knows when to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. When do you think a person should walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Tomorrow. It's always tomorrow, right? I'm going to serve the Lord tomorrow. I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord tomorrow. Do you have any guarantee of tomorrow? That's why it's so easy to do that. Today is the only day you have. It may be the only day you'll ever have. So I do believe that you know when, and you know it's now. 
If not us, who? And if not now, when? So he knows when to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now. Now. I try to tell the kids in college, I said, you know, your Christian life and your mission that you're going to be on and do and accomplish and all that, it doesn't start when you get there. It starts right here and right now. What you're going to accomplish with your life depends on how well you study right now, the verses you learn, the discipline you have in your life, the problems that you have, and can you trust the Lord to guide you through them all? Do you believe that God can walk with you through everything? It starts now. It don't start later. Your future will be just like your past unless you make a change. And so if you want things to be different down the road, you better make things different now. Now is so important. Look at the next statement. This is found in Philippians 3, 12. Where it's not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. But I follow after. You see, a person who's a missionary knows that he has to follow the controls of the Holy Spirit. He knows he has to yield. I follow means I had to give up my way, my will, in order to do His will. His way. So every missionary knows that he can't do whatever he wants, any time he wants, the way that he wants. It's got to be all about what does the Lord want? Where does He want me to go? What does He want me to do? What does He want me to be? And if you'll think about these things, and yet all of these things that we're talking about this morning is found right here in the book of Philippians. You know where he was at when he was writing all of this? He's in jail. He's in prison. Here's a man that's in prison telling you how to live. Would you want to listen to a man tell you how to make a million dollars that broke? And yet we're listening to a person that's in jail telling us how to live. Why? If you live the way I do, you get to go where I went. Hey, wait a minute. But you see, he has to look beyond the prison. Because he knows that's only temporary. And that there's a God in heaven. And he's going to follow the Lord regardless of where it leads. And you study truth and be willing to obey truth regardless of where it may lead you. Regardless of what the consequences may be. Look in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. He knows to guard the power of the mind. When you sense success or defeat. Success can kill you. Defeat can build you. You see, you look at things in life as though every problem can either be a stepping stone or a stumbling block, depending upon your attitude toward it. For the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, all human understanding, shall keep, that word keep means to guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, you're not going to accomplish very much. You're not going to have much of a vision unless you learn how to guard your mind. Because there's a tax upon the mind to discourage, to defeat, to bring you down, get you to quit, lose heart. The next statement I have here, he knows the power of a great purpose. I even like the sounds of that. The power of a great purpose. You see, many people have no purpose in life. They've trusted Christ as Savior, and all they want to do is just live a good life and just, you know, no sufferings, no problems. Just make sure they got everything to take and live comfortably. And there's no sacrifice. There's no giving up of anything. 
But I want you to look there in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, where he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Does that sound like there must be a, the power of a purpose? Something that says, this is what I must do. I got to do this. Almost all missionaries know that there has to be a vision that they have. There's something they want to do. There's a place that they want to go. There's something they want to accomplish. And they have the Word of God, and they've had to study and prepare, and some learn languages. I'm still working on English. The Lord knows that I could have never been a missionary outside of the United States. I haven't figured out a lot of things yet. When I went to Florida Bible College, they gave everybody there a test to see who had to take English. Can you believe they would do a thing like that? This was after about the first or second year that I was there. I had the lowest grade in the college, and I had to take English. So do I know English? I know English backwards and forwards. I can say it right, sometimes write it right, sometimes read it right, but I still don't know if it's right. Here in the, uh, this verse is a very important verse. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, reaching forth, See, a lot of people, they don't reach toward anything. They don't accomplish anything. They live their whole lives. And they're going to have a life of regret. Wondering what I could have done. What I could have been. Because in this life, nothing really matters except what God wanted you to do with your life. I threw this little verse in here. This one that I'm sure you know. About the Word of God being sharp, powerful, quick, alive piercing even to the dividing asunder of body, soul, and spirit. And God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He knows why you do what you do. You see, a missionary needs to understand why does he want to do this. Because if it's the wrong reason, he can't last. It won't last. Because I can tell you, there's not much fame and glory in it. And not much praise. Because out of sight, out of mind. And we think about what we do and we don't think about what they're doing. That's why I wanted the missionaries to come. I want you to see they're a real live individual. I used to think missionaries must be somebody from outer space. You know, they look different. There's something strange about them. You'll find out that they're people just like you. They're people that heard the word of God just like you. They're people that went ahead and decided to go to Bible college. And to do something with their life. They sacrificed. They gave up something. And yet many of them have the, the intellect that they could have been, you know, very rich and successful in this life. But they gave a lot of that up. And then when they come back from the field, most of them, their missionary support has dropped. And sometimes they don't even have a place they can call their own. Because they had to give up. They won't have money for this insurance. That's so much that they sacrificed. They gave that up. And many can barely make it. And that's why believers who know and understand are supposed to stand behind them and make that sacrifice for them. Look at the next statement. He knows that the quality of his missionary life is determined by the quality of his thoughts. Look in verse 8 and verse 9 there in chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. This verse tells you how to think. If you want to raise the caliber of your life, raise the caliber of your thoughts, of your thinking. All success... And defeats 
Starts and ends right up there in that little brain of yours. And if you don't think right, you can't live right. Notice what he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, you ought to underline these four little words. Think on these things. If you get down and discouraged, it's your fault. If you're encouraged, it's because of how you think. And many people have never learned how to think. Think upon what God said. A person that knows the Lord and loves the Lord must look upon that which is invisible, while the world looks upon that which is visible. If you only look at the visible things of life, it can totally destroy you and make you envious and jealous of what others have. And you compare. And they that compare themselves among themselves are not, are not wise. So if you're excited and happy about the things of the Lord, it's a result of how you're thinking. If somebody just sent you a check for, say, a million dollars, oh, you'd be so excited. Or somebody just sent you a telegram that your mother just passed away, you'd be so sad. So whether you're excited or whether you're sad depends upon the news. That determines how you think. This is why you need to learn to think the way God wants you to think. And so he says this in verse 9. Those things, those things, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Here's one of the biggest words in the Bible. Do. And the God of peace will be with you. A lot of people, believe it or not, want to see how much they can gather together. And in the process of doing that, remember this. Things of the world are hard to get, hard to keep, and great sorrow when you lose them. But if you lay up treasure in heaven, you can never lose it. This is why he says, lay up treasure in heaven where it doesn't rust, you can't lose it. What you do for the Lord can never be lost. Never be lost. He also makes a statement in the book of Matthew chapter 10. That if you give someone even a cup of cold water in his name, he says, you shall no wise lose your reward. Never lose the reward. And that's the same phrase that's used in the book of John chapter 6 when it says, when you trusted Christ as Savior, he will in no wise cast you out. Never cast you out. Never lose the reward. Rewards, once they're earned, are laid up in heaven, and you can't lose those. But you can sure lose what you could have had. And many people are going to be totally surprised to find out what they could have had if they had only. Most people are going to be a member of the If I Oughta Only Club. You ever heard of that club? If I Oughta Only? If I Oughta Only. You don't want to live a life of regret. Serve the Lord now with all your heart, while you can, with whatever you have, where you are, and watch God bless you. Look at the next statement. He knows that his decision to become a missionary was the result of proper biblical thinking. Because, see, there are certain things that some people want. They want the power of God upon their life. They want to know that God is using them to influence the lives of other people. Don't you want God to use you to make a difference in the destiny of individuals? Don't you want there to be people in heaven because they heard the gospel through your lips? I do. I want people to be in heaven that when I get there and say, Yankee, 
If it hadn't been for that sacrifice or that dedication or that heaven track or whatever it was, you influenced me. You see, the power of God in your life is the influence that you have in other people's lives for the Lord. And some people don't have any influence in people's lives because they live in such a way that nobody listens to them, nobody believes them. They have no character. They don't have the virtue. They all the things that they need to affect people's lives for all eternity. Don't you want there to be people in heaven that even though they trusted Christ as Savior, knew they had eternal life, but it was you that came along and you said just the right word at the right time and you encouraged them and you prayed for somebody and their lives are totally different because you passed their way. You came in contact somewhere along the line. We won't know until we get to heaven to see the results of the people that somewhere we touched throughout our life. And you won't have to record it. You don't have to remember it. There's somebody else keeping the books. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Hebrews chapter 6. God is not unrighteous to forget what you did for Him. And if there's anything you ever did for Him, and if you did it for Him, then don't worry about it. Nothing's lost. He remembers it all. And if you did it for people, then hopefully you've already got your praise, honor, and glory. And it was short-lived. But if you did it for the Lord, His praise, honor, and glory will last for all eternity. There's no end to it. And that time is coming. Look at the next statement. He seeks the power of God, therefore He presses on. He seeks the purpose of God, therefore He presses on. He seeks the prize of God, therefore He presses on. Some people, remember, you always got to keep staying at it, staying at it. When you get tired and weary and worn, you want to stop, just keep pressing on. Don't ever stop. Don't ever quit. Just stay at it. I don't care how old you get, how tired you get, or the pain you may have to go through. Just keep serving God. You can serve Him anytime, anywhere, any place. And remember this. Even if you have messed up your life, the perfect will of God lies as close as the next decision you make. That was good. I need to repeat that. What did I say? (laughs) The perfect will of God lies as close as the next decision you make. Because you can make the next decision the will of God. You can do the right thing. So keep that in mind. He knows to plan for success. I don't think anybody who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, wants to be a missionary, I am planning a life of defeat. I just want to be a failure all my life. We want to succeed. We want to be able to reach our destination. We want to be able to plant those seeds. We want to see some results from those planted seeds. And we want to see people growing in the Lord. And we know that we can't make anything happen. We can let it happen. We can let God use it. But we must know and understand without Him I can do nothing. And accomplish zero. But with the Lord you can do anything He wants you to do. Did you know that me and God can do anything? You know between me and Him, we know everything there is to know. Between me and God, we're the most powerful there is in the world. Of course, I need Him a lot more than He needs me. But put your confidence in the Lord. Look at the next statement. He knows to plan for success, knowing when to walk according to the light that He has. Look there in chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's just start in verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded. 
And if in anything he be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You see, when you know the Lord and you're walking according to light, walking according to the truth you have, God will give you some more. And then he makes this statement. In verse 16, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same road. Walk according to the light you have now. Go ahead and serve the Lord with what you do know. And if you will do that, God will give you some more light and some more light and some more truth. Why should God give you additional light when you won't walk according to the truth you already have? That's why he says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6, he says, And we will go on to maturity if God permits. God will not permit you to grow in the Lord when there's truth that you know and you will not obey it. If you won't obey truth that you already have, and you can come to church for 20, 30 years and never grow because you will not obey what you already know. Let us walk according to the light that you have at this moment. Have you ever heard of a statement, you know, a man who is faithful in that which is little will be faithful in much. You see, if you don't serve the Lord with what you do have, you won't serve the Lord if he gave you everything. Well, if I had a million dollars, I'll shut up. You won't serve him if you had ten. If you had a billion dollars, you wouldn't do it. I've had people come out of the church and they say, preach, pray for me. If I win the lottery, you know I'll give to the church. I do not pray they win the lottery. I pray they stop playing the lottery. But if you win and want to give the money, go ahead. That's all right. <laughs> Look at the next little statement I want you to see there. Knowing when to stand still when you must wait on the Lord. Do you know there's times when you have to just stop and you don't know what to do? Have you ever been, Lord, I don't know what to do. How do you think Moses felt when he got two million people standing on the banks of the river? A sea? And all them people coming after him? And God said, stand still. <laughs> well, I like to do more than that. Nobody wants to wait on the Lord. <laughs> Betty's dad told me one time, he said, Yankee, the Lord could lead you if you could ever get in front. Because I was always impatient. I'd always want to do it. And if God wasn't going to do it and God's up, I'm going to do it without him. I'm glad you're not like that. But there's a lot of truth Stand still. Look in chapter 4 and verse 5 where he says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So you see, whether you walk or whether you press on and run or at hand, stand still, God has a reason. And sometimes you have to stand still. The Lord is where? At hand. He's right there now. As I serve the Lord all these years, I don't have to wait for God to make that trip from heaven all the way down here to be with me. Sometimes I feel like he doesn't left me alone. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Lord, if you only knew, the Lord is always with me. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You see, a missionary has to know how to think because, see, the devil is always working on his mind. Always trying to discourage, to depress. And so the Lord is always there. Look at the next statement. Knowing when to run, to press on. That's in 3 and verse 14, where it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, in the book of uh, Corinthians, in chapter 9, he's talking about running a race. You're running. You're pressing on. And so we're all in a race. 
And if you're going to be in a race, you might as well run. And if you're going to run, you ought to try to win. And if you want to win, then you ought to play by the rules. Because at the end of the race, you want to be able to receive those rewards. Serve the Lord God's way on His time, the way He wants. And God's the one that knows about all the obstacles that comes in our life. Did you know God may have a higher purpose than what we even know about? And He doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't have to tell us why. You've got to let God work His way in your life. And don't try to figure it all out. You, just, you can just trust Him. Because after a while, see, you, you can just trust the Lord in anything. You don't know how God's going to do it. You don't care how God's going to do it. You just put your faith and your confidence in the Lord and just keep getting up. Look at the next statement. These two things are very important. In the uh, book of uh, Philippians in chapter 1, you'll notice there, in chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. After you trust Christ as your Savior, your whole life boils around these two things, profit and loss. Just like in the business, you've got to have profit and loss. What is it? And when you serve the Lord in your land of treasure in heaven, for me to live is Christ, means Christ is living in me. For me to live, Christ living in me. And that's gain. And if I was to die, which he says is far better to be with Christ, than to be here. But it's more needful for you that I stay here. Is it more needful for people that are here for you to stay here? I mean, can God use you? And God left you here because you're valuable to Him here. But wouldn't it be a shame God have to take you because you're not accomplishing with your life what God intended? Aren't you thankful that there's some people who want to make a difference? They want to make a difference. They had compassion. The book of Jude, making a difference. And there's some people in other countries that will never darken the doors of this church. They'll never hear the gospel unless somebody is willing to give up something in order to reach them. Now, don't you think God's going to richly bless them? I think so. So there's something to gain. But he also says, you're talking about gaining in your Christian life. The longer you live, your confidence in Christ should grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And have more peace than you ever had in your life because God, you know, He'll never fail you and He'll never let you down. People will come and go. There's been times when I've been on the radio up in Georgia. I've been in the radio out in Colorado. And people stopped supporting it and I had to go off. There were people that supported me when I was on television for eight years. I had a live television program. Every week I was on radio, radio and television. And then people stopped giving. Well, I don't borrow money and I'm not going into debt and I have to go off the air. Do you know that there's sometimes there have been missionaries from Florida Bible College of years ago? They dedicated their life to the Lord and people promised that they're going to help them and support and things like that. And next thing you know, they go to the fields and then their support dries up. They have to come home because some places won't let them work. And they come home. And you wonder, well, why did they come home? Because there weren't enough people who cared about the missionaries. They wouldn't stand behind them and they wouldn't support them. They're not going to go, but they're not going to pay for somebody else to go to help somebody else. This is why we can have our comfort here and we can have all the things that we want and out of sight, out of mind. But I want you to see missionaries because I want you to know, I don't want them out of sight. I don't want them out of your mind. I want every time you think about something, do something, you're thinking about, 
I wonder what the missionaries are doing, how they're doing. I am so glad that y'all took upon the responsibility, a burden, where you cared and you have given enough that we're able to support some missionaries and then take on a few more. I'd love to see it grow and grow and grow. But that's between us as individuals and the Lord. But see, for us to give to them, we have to learn to think like a missionary. We've got to take and apply all of this that we're applying to missionaries should apply to every Christian in this room, shouldn't it? This is how we're supposed to think. So because if I can't go, I should be willing to help send somebody. You see there in uh, chapter 3, verse 4, if you want to brag about who you are and what you think you are, and look who I am. I told people one time, I said, I was standing in this line at an airport, and I was going to get my ticket, and I'm standing there in line, and this person in front of me taking forever, and I, ma'am, do you know who I am? Ma'am, ma'am. She says, just a minute, sir. And she was dealing with that. Ma'am. I'm a very impatient person. Ma'am, I said, do you know who I am? So she gets on the phone, calls security, says, get down here quick. There's a guy who don't know who he is. <laughs> now, you know I'm lying to you. I didn't do that. I did go into a restaurant one day. I was driving, <laughs> and I wanted a hot cup of coffee. So I stopped into this restaurant. I walked in there. I said, I want a hot cup of black American senior citizen discount price coffee, sir, with a smile and a kind word. <laughs> what? I said, I want a cup of coffee. I said, how much is a cup of coffee? She told me, she says, some 52 cents, something like that, senior. And I says, uh, well, how much is a refill? She said, oh, refills are free. Okay, I'll take a refill. <laughs> she was just a young kid. <laughs> she says, okay. I said, ma'am, I'll, I'll pay you for the coffee. I said, I said, but I love having fun, though. You've got to have a little fun along the way. Otherwise, you grow up to be a mean old man. You don't want to be a mean old man. But look in verse 4, he says, Though I might have also confidence in the flesh. See there? There's your battle. Is your confidence in Christ or is your confidence in the flesh? Confidence in the Lord or the confidence in you? I've lived long enough to know I don't put much confidence in me anymore at all. I've found out that I don't care about my greatest plans. Some things fall flat as a fiddle. And I just, some things I can't accomplish. And so I just, now, Lord, if you want it, go ahead. I'm here, and you want to bless, bless. If you don't, okay. I'm going to just ride with whatever the Lord does. I don't want to try to make everything happen. I want to let it happen. But some things I find out I can't make happen. I can't make people love God. I can't make people have a vision. I can't make people become soul winners. I just try to teach the truth, and you do what you want with it. But I've delivered my soul. I've poured out my heart. I believe I have compassion. I have concern. But I can't make people respond. And neither can a missionary. And they can go and they can pour out their heart and everything that they have and everything that they do and sacrifice so much. And they can't make it happen. God may do some miracles. And sometimes you don't stay in one place long enough to see all the results of it. And there may be one person on the mission field that's been reached, and after that missionary done gone on to heaven, lo and behold, that person begins to think about everything that was said and done, and we won't know until it's all over with. And their works will follow them. Keep that in mind. Look at the next statement. He knows to seek open doors. That means opportunities. A missionary's got to always looking for opportunities. How can I accomplish God's will for my life? But with every open door, as it says in Corinthians, 
16, there are adversaries. Something that's always trying to rip away the peace and the joy and the happiness. Problems, just whenever you have a victory or something good happens, something bad seems to come along and just rip it out of you. If you haven't had that happen to you, you must not be alive. Next statement, he knows to fear not and to be at peace. It means you learn how to cast your cares upon the Lord. Look what it says there in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And look in verse 6 and 7. He says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Cast your cares upon the Lord. You ever heard that verse? Look what else he said. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And this is uh, what you and I are supposed to do. Not to be afraid by the worrying and the care. Cast that upon the Lord and everything that you have and everything that you need. Talk to the Lord about it. Talk to the Lord. Learn to live by faith. That God's going to come through. Believe in it. And it gives you peace, gives you hope, gives you comfort. Otherwise, you'll become a bitter person. And the very person who loved the Lord and have expectations here and reality comes in here and this lost expectation can be devastating to you and make you bitter toward God. And the person who used to love Him with all their heart can turn against the Lord. Because you see, the devil works upon the mind of man. The next statement, he knows to look after others in chapter 2, but I want to look on to the next statement. He knows that regardless, look there in chapter 4, in verse 4, you need to underline that verse. Here's a man that's in prison. Here's a man telling others how to think, how not to lose hope. And he says, and I remember in college, it didn't matter what happened. Oh, my tires just went flat. Praise the Lord anyway. I lost my job. Praise the Lord anyway. I thought, praise the Lord, nothing. My tire's flat. I don't want that. Why should I praise the Lord because my tire's flat? Well, you had a tire that could get flat. Aren't you, aren't you thankful? What if you only had tomorrow what you were thankful to the Lord for today? Ooh. Would you have very much tomorrow? I love this verse. Rejoice in the Lord every once in a while. When you're in a good mood. When everything's going your way. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, do what? Yeah, but Lord, you just don't know what I've been going through. Lord doesn't know what I've been going through. And he says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord anyway. So how's things going in your life? <laughs> praise the Lord anyway. Praise the Lord at all times. Because, see, one of these days, everything here is going to be gone. This old body that aches and got a few little pains here and there, one day you're going to get a new one. Praise the Lord anyway. That you're able to use it for temporarily. It's time that's going to be moving on. And one of these days we're going to be out of this old world. Look at the next one. I like this one. He knows how to stay strong by righteous thinking. That's in verse 8 and 9, which we showed you just a minute ago. But I want you to look at the next one. He should know to keep looking for the Savior. Look in chapter 3 and look in verse 20. Verse uh, 20. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also, and you ought to underline these words, look for the Savior. 
In other words, in the midst of everything that we're doing, even if we're on the mission field, maybe you're back on furlough, maybe you're here at the church, regardless of what you're doing, on your job, in spite of everything, did you know the Lord could come back at any moment and it's all over? And everything you whined and pined and moaned and groaned about, you're going to be so ashamed. Don't be ashamed before the Lord that is coming. He's coming. But you need to serve the Lord every day, believing that He's coming back at any moment. Next statement, He must be continually keep learning the hard lessons. You see what He says down in chapter 4 and verse 10? But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. In other words, Paul served the Lord when people supported him. And when they didn't support him, he made tents and sold tents. But now he's glad that you're supporting me once again. Because, you see, Paul's talking about people being missionaries. He's talking to these, this church at Philippi. He's talking about, you are supported me. Supported me. And he says this, but when you didn't, I had some lessons to learn. He says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am. Whether it's in Florida or Georgia or Tennessee or Colorado, it didn't matter what state it was in. Therewith to be content. I know both how to abase and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. That's not the part you want in the Christian life. I don't want to suffer need. I want a Christian life. I want everything provided. I want everything. Did you know whenever you commit your life to the Lord after you trusted Christ as Savior, there may be a lot that you'll never have. You may give up a lot of things, but you have to believe it will be worth it or you won't do it. Or you'll look back in regret when you see what others have and what you gave up or what it cost you. So Paul learned. The next thing I have down here is he... Um, he learned in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's great when people can strengthen you. They can support you and they can give you and help and all that. But sometimes they don't. It's Christ is your strength. You know there's a little song we used to sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When there's no joy, there's no strength. You know what keeps you with the strength to keep going on and on and on? Joy. The joy that you know that J-O-Y, Jesus in you and nothing between, one day it's all going to be over. You're going to be with the Lord and it will be worth it all. And so he makes a statement. I want you to see this other one here in verse 17 where it says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul as a missionary. He, yes, he needed and he wanted people to support what he was doing. To make it possible for him to go all over the place and preach the gospel without charge. But he says, I want fruit that will abound to your account. You see, one of the things that we want people, even in church, we want people to serve the Lord. We want you to witness. We want, because we want fruit to your account. People that will be saved because of your giving. Just think of how many people have trusted Christ to save because of the radio ministry we have now. Or the YouTube. And the missionaries that we got a part of. Did you know when these guys go out and they win people to the Lord? Hey, that's interest. We get a kickback. We're going to be blessed because of that. I'm just telling you what the book said. And then he says up here in verse 19, last one I want you to see. 
But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is not to the everyday Christian. This is talking about those that support missions. This is to those who support missions. Because of what they're doing, God says, you ought to see what I'm going to do for you. And some people will never do it because they don't believe God will and they don't trust Him, so they'll never support missions. What a way to rob yourself of some of the greatest blessings of all. Isn't it a blessing? Not only that we support missions or missionaries, isn't it great that we're able to bring them here to get a chance to see some of them and to meet them? You see, I've known some of these guys. I've known Joe and Terry for years and years. And years. <laughs> and a few more. I've known this guy over here. I've known his dad since he was down at Florida Bible College. I'm talking about Matt Florida here. Peggy back here. I've known her since she was 10 years old, which was in 1968. <laughs> okay, so I shouldn't have gone that far. But some of these people I've known. Now, I haven't known Mark that well, but I've... I know that he went to FBC and he was uh, he's a, a stalwart for the faith and the gospel. And uh, uh, where, did, where did you go? I, I don't remember. Indonesia? Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. And uh, some of these others, I can't remember everybody, but uh, who? Oh, George and Linda over here. They used to work in Colorado with us. And, not, and then he, uh, didn't you graduate from the CBC? No, that was like college. I, you know, I forget. Peggy did too. And that was years ago. And then he wound up being, uh, working with um, new tribes up in Oregon. And now they're down here in Sanford. But see, some of these people I have known, and I'm so thankful that they dedicated their life to serving the Lord. Now, I don't know what the future holds for them. They don't know what the future holds for me. But God can watch over us, and He can bless us. But you have to believe that you want to be a victorious missionary. Every person in this room, whether you go to the foreign fields or you stay here, you are a missionary. Now, what kind of a missionary are you? To what degree? Do you love them? I hope that you do. Look up here. This is something that I just thought of. Watch my hand. At no time will it ever leave my wrist. Now, I do want you to know that I learned this from somebody in 1964. Name was Dr. A. Ray Stanford. And I have never found in all these years a better illustration. So I'm going to use it until I come up with another one. But until then, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And for us to pay for sin, the wages of sin is death. Since everybody sins, everybody's condemned. And God says that He wants us to go to heaven, but to go to heaven... We can't take sin to heaven. Otherwise, heaven won't stay heaven. God will not allow one sin in heaven. Adam and Eve only committed one sin and they got kicked out of the garden. So God's serious about this thing. God loves us. And he says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. All of your good deeds doesn't pay for these sins. So how can I get rid of my sins? Since we're all condemned. Because we're all guilty. And we can't save ourselves by our works. How can man get to heaven? This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him.
So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And he says, the only thing we have to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for us. If I believe that he did this for me, he would put this payment to my account. I paid for all my sins. See, the reason I can't go to hell today, the reason I can't go to hell in the future, I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ died for my sins. All of them. And that's how I know I have eternal life. That's how I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I can't go to hell. No sins to pay for. Five words, Christ died for my sins. And he did it for you too. And all you have to do, it's the only thing you can do, is believe he did it for you. He loved you so much, he would rather die than live without you. You are loved. You are loved. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, or if you're watching by internet, why not right now, just the best you know how, say something simple like this, Lord, I'm a sinner. Friend, we all are. And I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I want to trust him right now as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, if you will trust him, God will save you, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. Would you trust him? I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And if you're saying, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior and preacher, that made sense to me. Would you just slip you in it very quickly, put it right back down. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Just very quickly, slip it up, put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come forward. You don't have anything to sign. Don't want anything from you. With head bowed and eyes closed, would some of you just think about this? Lord, do you want me on the mission field? Do you want me to be a missionary? I mean, one that does it full time. Would you just talk to the Lord about that? Because you, that's between you and the Lord. Nobody can make you do anything. Love can. Do you love the Lord enough to believe that whatever he has for you and wants you to do, you're willing to do? I pray that you will. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one. We thank you for the individual that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust your Savior. We ask, Father, your blessings upon the, the refreshments that we have had provided for us for the food. And pray your blessings upon the, the fellowship that we'll enjoy. And for each person being here today, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.